Vampires of the Paper Flower Consortium, Episode 21, For the Love of Meat. Recording by Loretta Fabron on Foy, former lady of the Kingdom of France and current historian and librarian of the Paper Flower Consortium. Welcome back, my beloved initiates and other listeners. It has been so long. I have the sad task of informing you all. Initiate Troy has left us. Fear not. He is not dead. Or, at least he was not dead the last time we saw him. Troy had believed that time made us forget our past trials. Which, obviously, is not true. Because I tell you our histories. And the fact is, we keep a historian. He decided eternity was not for him. And chose to seek out the werewolves of the Howling Moon. We wish him the best. Tonight we shall discuss the importance of the meat industry to the modern vampire. It is a widely held misbelief that vampires waste their food, that we only drink the blood and leave the rest to rot. By now, you ought to know that that is not the case at all. I have spoken of us eating the flesh as well as drinking blood, and how we can expand our diets even further by adding blood to help us digest other things. We do not require the death of humans, no matter how much we enjoy drinking human blood. Humans are delicious, but they are not the only source of meat and blood on this planet. I will say, however, we do taste and smell the signs of rot earlier than many species, and, in general, do not like the taste of it. However, that does not mean we turn away any food if we are hungry. Also, we don't waste food because hunting takes a lot of energy. I believe there is a human phrase which I have heard from one of the cooking shows that my enthralled enjoy. It explains the truth of the matter. Snout to tail. Back when we hunted our food, we ate snout to tail. And when our food was human, we ate toe to skull. Now, some vampires are beginning to fear that as veganism grows in popularity, we will lose beef suppliers. One of the reasons vampire covens are able to make offspring at the rate that we do is the meat industry. Between Charles and I, we have 20 offspring, and I could not imagine my existence without any of them. But when vampires hunted, we could not have supported such a large family. This world of surplus food and fairly inexpensive meat allows us to have children, many of them. That being said, we do not buy from factory farms and we believe in free-range cattle, chicken, and pigs and try to get all of our meat sourced locally. Our current supplier is organic as well. 
Admittedly, existing in a state like Washington makes this possible. But a time may come when humans in America stop believing eating meat. And I have spoken before that vampires cannot subsist on vegetable proteins alone. We need blood and flesh. If the meat industry collapses, as other industries have collapsed due to time or invention, at first, we shall rely upon our enthralled humans even more. However, some fear we must ready ourselves for that night by finding other sources of food. Of course, some believe we should begin to hunt humans as they press upon the environment in ways that vampires, in general, do not do to their frantic lifestyle. However, we exist long. And who is to say that we don't also press upon the environment? Obviously, we will continue to consume deer and other game meats as we did in previous centuries. And who knows, we may begin to raise our own meat again. However, that would mean moving the coven. There is no grazing land for sheep or cattle in the middle of a city. I do not say these things to make you fear. The elder vampires have seen whole industries collapse and did not know what was going to happen until it did. Americans do not eat whale meat or use whale oil for heat and light anymore. And if you tried to explain to us what we would now use for heat and light... We would have thought you fanciful at best. So no, I don't fear a meatless future. However, if you do fear it, you might want to rethink your plans for eternity. Still, for now, there is plenty to eat, especially in America. But those of us who have lived through leaner times, more than any American human of this century can know, we do understand your fear of famine. Before I go on, let me explain how and when the elders of this coven ate humans. Once they were settled in France, Agatha and Jacob primarily sustained themselves with sheep and goat's blood. However, capital punishment at the time was considered a social good. When a crime warranted capital punishment, Jacob executed the criminal. Then the condemned was given last rites. However, Instead of burying the body, Jacob and Agatha ate them. As a wife of that time period, one of Agatha's duties was to know how to carve meat, to know how to make it last the longest and not waste it. And she knew this duty on all types of livestock and had come to learn it upon humans as well. When Pascaline and Charles were transformed... Pascaline killed soldiers that killed our birth family. I, of course, had to wait. And my family ate some of them. Gaius's kin ate others. And so did some of the starving human populace in Paris at the time. And later in Versailles, Pascaline killed a few or perhaps several people who would not be charged with crimes, but committed acts of dreadful brutality and she and Charles ate most of them until I turned and was able to eat them too. Agatha and Jacob both felt it was good for Pascaline to hunt 
as it turned her heart away from mourning in those early years. And I am proud to have such a caring husband that he held my sister's hand when she visited the crypt of my niece, and once he was her brother, hunted beside her without judgment. And of course I joined them after I transformed. For many years we subsisted primarily on sheep, but we hunted wicked doers a few times a year. And so it was for centuries, even after we moved to America, and began to build the Paper Flower Consortium. And then the world turned, and each human life became important. And then we began to kill only when required. Yet we still never waste the meat. So let us go back to 1931. In 1931, we no longer raised our own livestock as our family had moved on to more gentle pursuits. Pascaline and Charles still hunted for food occasionally. But at that time, there was a farm nearby, and we got most of our meat from them. But during the Great Depression, this farmer lost his land due to his high debt load. And fearing for his wife and children, he committed suicide. And these cows were sold to other farms and were either not slaughtered or at least not slaughtered for food. And now at that time, we had eight vampires and ten enthralled humans. Ten humans could not offer enough blood for eight vampires as our primary food source. And, as I said, we depended upon our enthralled more and more. But, as it was the Great Depression, and food prices soared, our enthralled found it difficult to get enough sustenance to sustain us with their blood. Oh, and one more thing. This, of course, is also before the days Dr. Drew discovered his amazing revelation of how to preserve blood. That was in the late 1930s. Then our look worsened as nearby grocers began to close. However, we did have one stretch of luck. Derek's enthralled human found a supply of salmon which was meant for the cannery, but we were able to pay a better price for it. Now, a salmon is not as big as a cow, and the food just didn't last very long. And so many people were hungry, and America began to feel like France or England before we had left those shores. And I admit, the vampires felt fear of hunger then. Yet we feared primarily for our enthralled population. We certainly did not want to overbleed them. And Agatha went hunting alone. How shall I put this? She did not want one of the men to frighten the prey. And she did not want Pascaline's moral directives. She found a man who lived alone in the shanty town, which was south of the city at the time. He was in good health. Agatha seduced him back to our building with a bottle of illegal whiskey. And once he was drunk, Agatha slipped her will upon him and told him to sleep and feel no pain and never wake again. He was unconscious when Charles bound his feet and hauled him to the crossbeam in the old barn ceiling. Agatha cut open the man's throat. He never woke. His body never reacted as if he felt pain. And blood pooled in the trough beneath him. 
and watching it, I remembered how much I wanted to dunk my entire face into the deep red life force and slather it upon my tongue. However, we had three youngish vampires to feed. Some of you may know this, that there is approximately 10 pints of blood in the adult human body. Each of the six elder vampires took a single pint. And Shao and Alice got two pints each. I was so hungry, it was the most delicious blood I had ever tasted, and its warmth coated my tongue in a delightful way. But I sipped it leisurely, wanting it to last. And I remember that my pace drove Charles to irrationality. That night, Derek, Alice, and Shao also consumed a steak from the man's leg. But the rest of us ate nothing, and I admit we were all still hungry. But we needed to let our enthralled humans rest. I got to carve the rest of the meat from the body and hung the pieces in our cellar to keep the heat of the day from it. Now, a human body will yield about 75 pounds of delectable meat, as well as an amount of organs. And after the blood, each vampire ate a pound of flesh per night until the meat and organs were gone. But we still did not waste the body. Agatha melted the fat and boiled the bones for broth. And we drank that concoctions for several nights after. And Agatha fried the skin in oil, and we ate that too. Thankfully, by the time we finished off the human prey, our enthralled humans had been well rested and were able to donate blood again. And, even more importantly, Pascaline had found a new beef supplier in North Bend who was thrilled to get our money for his cows because he had feared he might also have to close his farm. We put money up front for cows to be slaughtered at intervals, which he agreed to. And that business relationship lasted for 20 years until his death. And as he would no longer need it, our last transaction was to pay him handsomely for his corpse. As arranged, his family were given ashes. They never knew. But that money certainly provided for them. So, my beloveds, there is no reason to fear, because as you see, there are always options. Another point. The meat industry does not just provide meat for humans. And as long as humans have a symbiotic relationship with meat-eating animals, such as cats and dogs, some meat will always be raised at least on a small scale. And now a word from our sponsor. Vampires, your teeth may be eternal, but your dental work is not. And without proper maintenance, cracked fillings and crowns can cause centuries of pain. Dr. Scott Hansen uses state-of-the-art technology to match your old dental work and restore it like new. Keep your fangs pearly white with regular brushing and flossing and twice yearly cleanings from Smile Forever Dental. And remember, you may enjoy tearing into the flesh of your victims, but do not chew on the bones as it shortens your dental work. Follows Agatha example and boil them and make them into a broth instead. And now it's time for initiate questions. Initiate Katie asks, 
Lady Loretta, did you just say you sometimes buy human bodies? I actually said that in 1952, a sick farmer sold us his body as we had an initiation that year. And the farmer was dying of a painful cancer. We have found it is nutritious for a young vampire to have human blood and flesh. And sometimes sick humans sell us their bodies, but only their own bodies. We do not accept anyone else selling anyone else. Or we gain bodies from enthralled humans who gift us their corpse after death. Or, of course, Norma occasionally runs into a human who preys on the vulnerable. And if they are a predator of children or... They go after her innocent-looking shell. And those who go after Norma never live to speak of it. And, of course, as one vampire cannot really eat a whole human... And she neither has the talent for butchery or the freezer space to hold a whole body. She most generously shares it with the coven. So I hope this lesson was educational and eased your fears about the future. Have a good day, beloved initiates, and sleep the sleep of the dead. The Vampires of the Paper Flower Consortium podcast was written and performed by Elizabeth Gazzetti. If you love this podcast, please like and share this episode. Or leave a review wherever you like listening. And if you can, please consider donating either one time or through the Patreon. If you have questions or comments for Lady Loretta, please contact her at info at paperflowerconsortium.com or through the Vampires of Paperflower Consortium Patreon. And please check out our themes for upcoming lessons. And if you have a question about that subject, I might read it on the podcast. The amazing intro and outro music was written by Evan Witt. And you can learn more about his music at www.wittynotes.com. Thanks for listening.